Welcome to More Room Podcast, brought to you by Syntagis. I'm your host, Jasmine Ford. This podcast is being recorded at Mortar's Brick Pop-Up Shop, located in Wanted Hills, Cincinnati, Ohio.
Okay. All right. Um, welcome back, everyone. Today, I have a very special guest, um, the beautiful and talented Lauren Elise. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Yeah, so, you know, I'm excited to sit down and talk to you for two reasons, right? And the first one is because you're like the first woman that I've ever interviewed. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Queen. I can't. Yeah. Exactly. I know. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, it's going to be amazing today. This yeah. energy about the big, big trio. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and then the other thing too is because, um, I can see a reflection of myself in you. Mm. Yeah, I really do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And and when I think about like my favorite artists like mm-hmm. Jay-Z, mm-hmm. um, you know, Kendrick Lamar, Nipsey Hussle is a new favorite of mine. I see a reflection of my of myself in them. Yeah. Beyonce. Um, so yeah. Queen. Yeah, exactly. Wow, that touches me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's big lit. Yeah. So you've had a you've had a pretty exciting year, right? when, when did you drop your last album? Oh, so I dropped my EP uh, September 29th, was it? Mm-hmm. Wow, it was. It was uh, of last year. And um, since then, I've just been grinding. Grinding. Till the wheels fall off. You know how that go. Yeah, I um, Let's see. I um, I did like a, a listening party out in New York for that. Mm-hmm. One here. We got a really solid response. Mm-hmm. And then I just went on to... You know, take advantage of some very dope opportunities that just mm-hmm. kind of came my way. I got a chance to open for Tank, mm-hmm. closing out last year. Um, <clears throat> I opened for uh, Pretty Ricky and Lloyd and, and Jay Holiday at the Aronoff Center mm-hmm. a couple months ago. Yep. And now I'm going on to open for Erica Badu. Oh, wow. And most have. How do you feel? Like, do you feel <laughs> nervous? Tell her, Quali. You know what? <laughs> That's a funny question. So, yes, I'm nervous as hell. Yes. Um, but I, I've been told that, you know, if you're not nervous, it doesn't mean something to you. Mm. And um, wow. I was nervous as hell at the air and off. Like, for me, it's dope to open for artists. But, no, but it's dope to open for artists, right? But there is a but. That's not the end goal. So for me, like, that's always great. But, I, you know, I was excited to just grace the Aronoff stage. Like, growing up, yes, that, I'm a kid walking past. Like, I'm going to be on that stage. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I, I went to Walnut Hills. So, like, yeah, there are people when we was down there a lot. So mm-hmm. to grace that stage, it was overwhelming, y'all. Like, my aura was like, you on track, girl. It's really happening. <laughs> um, but I was nervous as hell. Yeah, I've never been that nervous. Mm-hmm. I, I'm nervous before every set. Don't get me wrong. I don't care how small it is. I always get nerves. But that, my stomach was in pain. Like, I was like, my stomach hurt. Oh, my God. I got to like, go how, how do you fight through that? Because I feel like when I get nervous, it's almost, like, crippling. I can't do anything. You just go. With me, like, it's, 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 it might be a little crazy. I really just go. And I do that for everything. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I'm not going to. I accepted the gig. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to be like, I'm nervous, I'm out. (laughs) And that's what I do. I'll, like for my tour, I was like, I'm going on tour Mm -hmm. in April. Mm -hmm. Set the dates. I was nervous as hell. You know, Harlem was packed. Chicago was packed. Like, these are big cities, right? And I'm like, I'm not about to get on this bus and go home. I'm not about to cancel. 
I wasn't feeling well. I was sick as hell. I was just like, well, you got to go. So I just pushed my, I just, you have to do it. Whether it's good, bad, or in between, I just, I just go, so. And there's so much at stake, too. Like, you just can't leave your fans out there, people who've paid to come and see you. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. it's a lot at stake. And that's one thing. It's, it's a little strange. Um, I don't quite call people fans because mm-hmm. it's, it's a little weird. That is very strange. It's You're weird. Right. You're right. I mean, I consider myself a fan mm-hmm. of, like, you know, Beyonce and them, but, like, to have that, to do that, I don't know. It just but feels what does, weird. what does the word fan mean, right? Fanatic. It's like you're crazy. Yeah. No, you know, I just call, I call everybody. If you rock with me, you're just a lover because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I love uh, the people. I would like to think that the people that rock with me do so because they connect with the message, you know, and at the root of all my shit is love. Mm-hmm. Just love. Experience love love life and everything in between so like you said yeah i can't be leaving people hanging but there's also always an opportunity for somebody else to rock with me too yep and i never want to miss that opportunity you know because i'm still like a baby out here like trying to i'm trying to get on erica's level yeah you know so yep just push through you just named all this stuff that you've done right mm-hmm. in the past almost a the, almost a year since your last album came out but you've been doing this for a very long yeah. time like i did my research and of course i found you on youtube like you've had you know those all those covered uh videos and stuff that's crazy. you know you know <laughs> <laughs> so first of all i've been singing since i was two i'm told like mm-hmm. i i really don't remember a day without music so for me this is just always what I wanted to do and it's always been what I was going to do mm-hmm. um, I didn't when I was in high school like I didn't think about college until senior year y'all <laughs> and I went to Walnut Hills mind you it was college prep mm-hmm. so my head was in the clouds like well I'm about to be a star whatever and I started seeing these college fairs I was like you should, you should probably get to one of those dogs <laughs> so I mean I just love music I've always loved music and I've always no matter where I've been I've always found a way to do what I love so those videos you're talking about you know that someone like you video got like over like 40 something thousand views yeah, like, I saw I, those numbers I'm you like, see yeah, I I, I, I've been numbers. out here and then mm-hmm. I chill on certain things because I wasn't always intentional mm-hmm. I just do what I, I love it so I'm like okay well singers on YouTube I'm gonna get on there and then it does numbers I'm like that's nice mm-hmm. and I'm like alright well I want a band and now I'm in Dayton in bars and stuff with a band and I let that slide so I'm at a point now where um you know, I studied PR and women and gender studies in college. So for me, I have a certain um, bank of knowledge about an aspect of the business. Yeah. Um, and I can be very intentional. I went on to study. I went on to uh, work in entertainment marketing in New York after I graduated. So I got hands on experience in working with different artists and and um, the behind the scenes shit of, of how they get to where they need to be and whatnot. And um, now, like I said, I'm just at a place where I can be very intentional about it. And if this is what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it well. I'm happy me? you mentioned the PR because that's the degree you got from uh, University of Dayton, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, go in, in more into depth into that. Like, how is that helping you now that you're an artist and you're you know, doing your oh, own thing? Oh, a great deal. I mean, it helped me. I think what people got to realize, like, especially artists, like, I be people be in my DMs all the time, like, I just want to pick your brain, which I'm like, that's so funny because that's that's a term that I use in marketing, guys. <laughs> I know what that means. <laughs> that means you want some free advice. But um, anyway, I digress. They're like, oh, how did you how do you market yourself? How do you bring yourself? Like, and um, that's like it's a hard question to answer because, like I said, I studied this, so some of the that stuff is just second nature and what I know now, um, and what I worked in. But when I when I go about that, it's very intentional because I don't 
I'm not marketing myself. Like I'm not making something up and putting that as my brand. Like what you get is what you're getting. Yeah. And that's what I tell people. Like I'm like, well, it starts with who are you? Mm-hmm. And then you know, if you want to talk more. <laughs> You know, let's book an appointment and <laughs> set some rates. But what I say is like, who are you? What is your story? Like, who the hell are you? And most people don't even know that. And that's okay. I do think that that's okay. I think it's okay as long as you're able to be aware of the fact that you don't know mm-hmm. who you are and that you're willing to discover that, right? But that's the kind of artist I am. You can ask a lot of artists this question, they probably have a different answer, you know what I mean? But for me, it has to come from an authentic place. Wow, you said story, right? Mm-hmm. You, I, I think I heard you say something like, you know, you feel like storytelling is kind of a thing of the past. Like, people don't do that. I do think and so. And I think that's probably what separates good, you know, good artists from great artists. Like, great artists tell really good stories. They tell a and good story. artists, like, I'll say rapping. Like, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about rap. People just rap just to rap or whatever. They're not really rapping about anything. Uh, they just want to make you dance. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's not a time and place for that. Mm-hmm. That's cool, you know? Like, people got to live their life. But... I know from I'm this is the kind of person I am. I always go back to like me. I just got to be authentic to myself. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of music I grew up on, it told a story. Mm-hmm. And that story helped me, you know, reflect on who I am and, and what I want out of life, whether it's a relationship or my career goals or whatever. So I've always been really big on storytelling. Some of my favorite artists are really big on storytelling. I started off, you know, writing poetry or trying to. You know, basically mimicking everything Jill Scott did. You know what I mean? Like, and, uh, <laughs> but that's like where, where my songwriting began. Like, um, and that, what you call it, um, that seed of importance for storytelling, like, kind of took root. Mm-hmm. I think it's a powerful thing. I think it's a powerful thing that runs in our culture. You know what I mean? Like, yes. many cultures, but ours, yes, skin sure. folk, especially, mm-hmm. we tell stories to get the message. I mean, a lot the Bible is a story. All these religious texts that we go after, they're stories. Um, words are just symbols. It's what what's behind the symbol, what's behind the story, and how is it helping you grow? How is it helping you heal? How is it helping you deal? How is it helping you live? Mm-hmm. Jesus was all about parables. And most of the people of his time, you know, mind you, I don't, I don't identify with any particular religious, you know, movement. I'm just using examples. But most of the people of his time, it went over their head. I was like, what is he talking about? You ain't there. Mm-hmm. The story. I just rambled a little bit. But you get the gist. <laughs> the story. It's important. Yo, I think you're turning her up and then turning me down or something. Yeah. I'm on... Let me see. I should be on the first one, right? No, I'm on the first one. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Stories. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so okay. So what's some of the what, what's some of the music that was played in your household when you were coming up? What can you remember? Mm. Man, I remember when I was living on. I'm just gonna go. I'm about to go back in my mind. Yeah. Van Antwerp. Take us back. Over in Avondale. Yes, Avondale. That's when my grandma lived down the street. My aunt lived right next door. And then my great-grandma lived behind us. It was like a little village, bruh. Wow. It was some of my best days. I wake up, moms, I hear, like, not here, I smell pine saw. She be cleaning. Anita Baker be on. Then she moved to Tony Braxton. Then she moved to Vanessa Williams. Then she went to gospel, and I'd be like, oh, my gosh. Like, I love gospel music, don't get me wrong. But then she'd play that the rest of the day, and I'd be like, moms, I'm tired of Kirk Franklin. Please, Donald Lawrence, I ain't trying to hear this right now. But I was trying to hear it, though. Um, Then my dad, my dad is a huge music lover. Well, let's backtrack. My mom, her father was a minister. He's deceased now. Rest Mm -hmm. in peace. Um, 
but he was like a musical genius mm-hmm. like taught himself everything yeah. um and I think I get a lot of that from him and then her taste that passed on from him to a lot gonna, of that church music. I was going to bring up your grandfather because I saw mm. you in a documentary in the documentary. Documentary. Okay, I saw you in that and I saw you in front of the church and I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's where she gets everything yeah. from. Like, you can yeah. move a crowd. Preachers have that. They have they that trait or whatever. They do. So. And I think for me, I don't talk about it much in a lot, a lot of interviews sometimes. I think now I'm getting more into it yeah. because my grandfather and I, we, we didn't have a close relationship mm-hmm. um, because, you know, people have family drama mm-hmm. and sometimes it trickles down, generational curses and shit. And um, my mother and her father, they, they often had rifts, you know, and they'd be cool and they wouldn't be cool. And that affected my exposure to him. Yeah. Um, so I run into people today who like, mentored under him like that's your granddad like oh he taught me everything I knew man wow. taught me how to be a man taught me this and that and I'm like well that's great I didn't get that shit mm-hmm. I ain't bitter about it because I do feel like I got it but through blood you know what I mean not through exposure to him I definitely think his spirit is somewhere around me um because it's so innate you know what I mean my love for music all of that but I did grow up grow some of it because they would be sometimes we wouldn't go to church you know but I grew up in the church for a bit so it's funny you say that. Look, you just enlightened me. That's what I remember. I got some of that from him. Mm-hmm. That's, That's true. just insane. Like, I'm telling you, it's like, man, you grew up in Avondale, right? I grew up in Bond Hill. And I guess you have, like, some church in you or at least mm-hmm. in, in your family line or whatever. And it's the same for me. Like, you know, I'm not close to my father. Um, you know, we didn't, I didn't grow up with him mm-hmm. in the household or anything like that. But he is, like, heavy in the church. You know, deacon. Mm-hmm. He marries people. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. It's like people are telling me, like, you know, your dad is, he's a huge mentor for me. And I'm just like, okay, like, I don't really, you know, so. Okay, that's nice. I'm glad you got that. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) I I definitely, um, I feel you on that, though. But I I also believe that you have a strong work ethic. Like, where did you get that from? Like, who instilled that into you? Mm, That's a good question. I got that from my father. Mm Mm-hmm. My father has always, well, both my mother and my father, but I say my father first because I think I'm a daddy's girl for sure. Um, My dad was always very vocal about my sister and I being independent, um, getting our own, doing for ourselves, and following our our dreams and and just getting it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been working since I was 15. Mm -hmm. Like, I ain't never, Lauren gonna gonna hustle. (laughs) But when I'm hustling for something I love, shit even harder it's not a game Mm -hmm. so I definitely think I got it from my dad but the seed of that that he instilled you know just sort of blossomed on fertile ground in my heart Mm -hmm. and I naturally just kind of latch on to people um that's a nasty way to put that what I mean (laughs) is I I really like a a hawk Mm -hmm. I tone in on people who do that Mm -hmm. exceptionally Mm -hmm. so Beyonce Mm -hmm. I love Beyonce as an entertainer, as yes. a vocalist. Don't get yes. me wrong. That's yep. my girl. But I love Beyonce as a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. Her work ethic, I swear, y'all, I be like, people ask me questions. I'm like, don't ask me. Watch TV. Mm-hmm. Watch B. Like, that's right. what I study. I study Beyonce. I study these people who work, like, sun, sun up, sun down, like, because that's what I want. I want perfection in my craft in my career all of that so mm-hmm. B B is up there I pre- Beyonce pretty much it 
She is it. I, you know, I said a few other people. Don't get me wrong, but like Beyonce, it's like man, we were just talking. It's what about, I want. We were just talking about that the other day, like when we saw her perform at Coachella, mm-hmm. and we're like, who else? What other woman could do that? Can mm-hmm. you name anybody? What other woman can do that? I'll say this. I'll say I think there are women who can, but I don't think there are women who will because they won't put in that extra hour like mm-hmm. are those extra hours mm-hmm. they won't go without some sleep and i'm not gonna sit here and do that whole you don't sleep because rest is important right Very all i'm saying important. is do what you gotta do mm-hmm. you know what i mean i got off tour i was tired as shit okay i got back from detroit at five in the morning yeah. i slept for two hours my baby got home mm-hmm. when he went down for a nap lauren was up <laughs> You know, you got to make it happen. Yeah. When he go down to sleep, I'm up till 4 a.m. Mm. Because, I mean, I'm building a team and I have some solid people in my corner who I'm grateful for. But I'm still the the captain of the ship. And so kind of chuckling back to another question you asked earlier, that exposure to PR. Mm-hmm. No, I don't want to be doing that shit. I want to focus on my craft. But I have that knowledge to know that what you should be doing. So if I if I see you slacking, I, we got to have a conversation because I know how it should be done. Management. I know how it should be done. If you slack and I can call you out on it. Like, Damn. so I just think that's very important for artists generally, like to know what the hell you're doing, like mm. know what it's supposed to look like. Mm. And I feel like if Lauren up to four in the morning, if you rocking with me, you ain't sleeping either. You sound like Beyonce right now. See, <laughs> look, I got chills. Be where you at? at? Where you at? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. That's how I feel though. Damn. You just said so many things. And I feel like everything that everything you're saying are questions that I was going to ask. You, so <laughs> you're doing a good job. Um, all right, let's go back to the independence. Your dad instilled, he wanted you to be independent, right? Can you talk about how important that is? Because me personally, I think that women, often women are put in compromising situations mm-hmm. because they're afraid to be independent. Like, mm-hmm. Can you talk about why it's important? And, and especially in business too. I can speak on why it's important to me. Yeah, to um, you. Because it's important to have your own. Point blank, period. I um, I believe in unity. I believe in community. I believe in helping one another. Um, but you can't you can't pour from an empty cup. So you need to make sure you filling yourself up. Right. Make sure you got your foundation. Um, and we all fall short. Like when I came back from New York. I came back pregnant and I'm just so grateful that I have the support system I have because I had to move back home. Um, my parents were, my whole family just were very present in helping me. Like I would not be sitting here with y'all if they didn't help me. So they weren't angry with you. Like Lauren, how oh, could you do this? Nah, like, nah, nah, nah. Have See, some great parents. Because it's love. Mm-hmm. We didn't grow up rich. You know, my mom and dad hustled and they went through their own personal shit, you know? And I ain't saying I got all together. I got some shit I'm trying to fix inside. You know, we we all got our shit. But what I will say is, like, I, I grew up in a family of love. And I think I'm so grateful for that because I feel like I'm able to pour that into my music. And I'm able to pour that into people I'm around. Like, everyone that I befriend, they just, they echo that to me. Like, bruh, I feel like I'm walking into the Huxtable house when I come over your house. And it's yeah. like, it's what it is because it's love. Like, we may not be rich in dollars, but you're going to get loved on. And... I, I always want to have that man I just want to give love like that's important that's amazing man because it's like so many people um they don't have that support you know how mm-hmm. many times have we heard of somebody getting pregnant or yeah and it's like their parents are pissed and mm-hmm. I don't I mean I understand why they would be upset maybe they're like financially strapped for cash mm-hmm. and when you have a baby that's that means more money's going out <laughs> but I mean you still need that support to <laughs> raise do. the baby though it takes a village mm-hmm. and I'm grateful that I had that um 
But again, like when I decided to like up and go backtrack and when I tried to up and go to New York, that's my dad. Like he was sorry he didn't want me to go when I went, but you you taught me this. You taught me to go after what I wanted. Yeah. So I up, I went three hundred dollars in my pocket. I sold my piano. I'm still trying to get that motherfucker back. Um, <laughs> I sold everything, bro. Went out there with a suitcase and a one way ticket. Sat on, like just slept on floors for a minute till I got my own. But I I made goals like I'm gonna get this place by here. Four months in, I had my own spot. Was working my internship and like ten dollars an hour at some retail spot. Mm-hmm. You make it happen. And my my dad. He he poured that into me. Um, my mom as well. Don't get me wrong, but my dad like he always has been so like he has a real go getter hustler vibe to him mentality. He's always been like that, and I naturally just it's in my blood. I'd be like, yeah. Sometimes it comes off selfish, mm-hmm. and it, well, it is selfish. I think a lot of times, <laughs> honestly, like it's one you know, and I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to like you know different or like make a man and a woman different but we are different right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i just feel like a lot of times guys can do stuff like that mm-hmm. and it's just like go ahead and then a woman mm-hmm. does and it's like all right you're being selfish yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. so isn't that interesting i'm not and you know come on i support y'all but no but you're you speaking truth right and i'm glad you said that because i think that speaks to why that came why i received so much of that from my father Mm -hmm. my mother is a natural nurturer but she is a mother to all she's around Mm -hmm. which i feel like i carry that energy like especially now that i have a son like people know they can just lay their head in my bosom let's just let's talk (laughs) but my dad like i got that from him and i think you just spoke you hit the nail on the head like i got that from the man in my life the you know the most important man in my life Mm -hmm. um i have a very strong masculine energy to me and i'm very i I, I love it i love my feminine energy as well of course but i always love my masculine energy (laughs) lately they've been coming into conflict because i've been emotional as hell Mm -hmm. i just want to love somebody please (laughs) and i wake up like girl send an invoice come on we got money to get going (laughs) that was scary oh man Yo, you stayed in New York. Mm-hmm. Which borough? Um, when I first moved out, oh no, I lived out in Brooklyn the whole time. Brooklyn. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah, I used to stay in Sunset Park. This Cute. was in, um, mm, I don't know, like 2011, 2012, I think. I was out there uh, 2013. Mm. It was when I, like the end of 2013, when I first moved out there. I was couch surfing, um, bedside, <laughs> um, and then. Where did I move to? Bushwick was where my apartment was. Kind of Ridgewood, but, you know, Bushwick, same thing. Oh, my God, the best time of my life. I learned New York I will always love. I call it home, my second home. Love to the city. I love my city, but New York made me, like, since he raised me, but New York made me. It was a short amount of time, but, like. How long was it? Uh, two years. Two okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean mm-hmm. I got knocked up and had to come back. Otherwise Damn. I still be you out was there. having too much fun out there. <laughs> Listen. But you know what? God works in mysterious ways. If I if I wouldn't have got pregnant and came home, mm-hmm. I don't think we would be sitting here. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like you know in New York, like you it's hustle. I know. You you working to live. So mm-hmm. I wasn't even working on music for real. I did some gigs, like I was at Ella Lounge, like doing things, but I wasn't intentional. I didn't have time to write. I didn't have time to plan and because no. waking up at however, what time, you, whatever time you waking up, five, Listen. six, maybe four o'clock in the morning Preach. sometimes just to get on the subway. Just that to is get ex- on to work on time. And then that's you get exhausting. Home, it's exhausting. Oh, my God. The subway itself is exhausting. It yes. drains so much energy. Oh I used to have such, like, my anxiety was on 1,000 in New York City. Like, it was Sister. bad. It was bad. <laughs> and um, when I got, I had just got a new job. Mm-hmm. 
and I was I was like, oh my god, it was paying better. I was like, oh my god, I'm about to live my best life. I was ready to have steaks. I was like, oh, I'm I'm gonna travel. You know, like you get out of college, you're struggling. Yes. I'm like, I'm gonna travel. Everything gonna be great. And then I got pregnant. Mm. It was weird. I was working at a, a kids club at that. It was real. Like, damn, did y'all get me? What y'all do? It's a voodoo. <laughs> but um, what was my point in saying that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I don't know for sure. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not a psychic, to my knowledge. Um, but I think that had I had that been my route, I don't think music music would have become secondary, maybe even third. Because you're just trying to survive out there. That's and why. I think having having been like so hustled for a while, and then to get that bump in money, I was just going to be focused on that job and and using that money, like traveling and doing things, and not pouring my time and money into my craft, into mm-hmm. my career. Yes, because yes. this career, independent, it takes money, it takes time, it takes more money, and then it takes more time, and it just repeats, you know, until yeah. it, something pop. You gotta pay to play in any you any ha- industry, in I any would industry, say. right? Yeah. But that music industry, it is intense because it's. I mean, everybody's so, doing it. Talk, okay, talk about the business side of it. What do you have to spend money on? Like, what's the real oh deal? Oh my god! Instead of you just, you know. Singing with with the guitar, you gotta pay for studio time. You gotta pay for the engineer. You gotta pay the producers. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are levels. So starting off, you know, you can do barter, but barter is only gonna work for so long. I'm at a level right now. I still have people I can collab with, and I'm always down for a good barter if it makes sense. But even I want my check, and I'm not gonna lie about that. We gotta eat. Um, but I digress. You gotta pay for your your instruments. Um, your you know. The sound and shit, your amps, your chords. Um, you have to pay for travel. You're trying to tour. Where that money coming from? Lodging, food. Um, you have to pay for unexpected costs that you don't even know you're gonna have. You gotta pay for. Um, what were we just talking about? Tune core and stuff. Um, what do you call that? What do you call that? Um, I'm getting a blank. Um, distribution. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Um, I mean, the distribution deal would be great, but we ain't there yet. Mm-hmm. And the list goes on and on. And then, like I said, levels. And then you got to worry about, well, what's my image? My hair was, you know, you got to pay photographers. You got to pay graphic designers. I was lucky enough starting off, like, all my stuff, like, everything leading me up to where I am now, a lot of it I did myself. I studied graphic design in school. I'm just going to hook it up. I My motto has always been, I'm going to use what I got to get what I want. So it might not be as good as Beyonce's, but here it is, and it worked. And I think sometimes people like are too thirsty to mimic somebody else. Just use what you got, bruh. If or you maybe a Polaroid, in, just take a picture. That's gonna be your album cover. Like, or maybe in my case, like I'm a perfectionist, and if something is not, and that's not a, I think that's a good thing, mm-hmm. but it's a bad thing though for sure. Um, it can hold you back or I was whatever. About to say if it holds you back. Yeah. So, um, but only you are able to discern that, right? So you know, like if that perfectionism, that moment. If that's like, I need to hold back on this until it's ready. You know if it's like, once it's ready, it's going to be dope. Yeah. Versus like, you're going to keep pushing it back because no, it's going to no. take you yeah. 10 years to get. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that way about my project. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to drop. I was working on an EP in New York for like two damn years. <laughs> Kept, you know what I mean? Kept saying it, but money was going to rent. Work, money was going to food that I knew I shouldn't have been buying out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and I decided... Once I got back, I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to use what I got to drop what I want to drop. It's going to drop. Smart. And it dropped. <laughs> it dropped. Hmm. Let's get into another song. Oh. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go to another song. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
What song was that? That song was called uh, Peaks and Valleys. It's a newer one. And I give, wrote it a couple months ago. Okay. Um, give us the background on mm. that on that song. So, we're talking about New York. I have a homeboy out there, Shams. Shout out to Shams. Sham Rock. Um, when I got pregnant and I, you know, was, I decided I was going to keep my baby, mm. it was a a beautiful moment, but it was also a very intense moment um a lot some of my friends were not very supportive which understandably so there's no judgment there no hard feelings like what they were just what like, do you mean by that they were like you making a mistake you, you girl your career what are you doing because we were all out there getting it like not all of them some of them were very much like what are we gonna do <laughs> when you need me to babysit and I, I love them for that but i don't i don't think any differently of the friends who were like bitch this is a bad decision um but it was a tough time right and sham said to me he was like low peaks and valleys bro peaks and valleys wow that's all he said and i got it i was like you right bro you right you right i got this i got this as i was getting on that that uh that bus heading back to ohio what you get on the mega bus um no they uh the go-to bus oh, okay. down in Chi- uh, chinatown down there yeah so fast forward um, this was, I think, I don't even know when, um, but recently-ish, like, not recently, but a few months ago, I was just having a hard time. Like, things were going good. Like, you know, I just opened for Tank, and things were, you know, some conversations were being had that were positive, but, you know, things be looking good, but they don't be as good as you want them to be. Right. Like, Lauren still got bills. Mm-hmm. You know, Lauren still got to feed a baby, and... I'm still very much in my, the early stages of my music career. So certain decisions were just like, I was just stressed to the max and overwhelmed. Like there are things I want. There's a way I want to live and hustling for this music thing. is like, it's, it takes sacrifice. And I got in that Valley again. And I was like, man, I don't even know if I want to do this no more. Cause I was working corporate for a while and that's what funded my, my EP and everything. And then I lost that job the Friday before my EP dropped. Wow. I was literally about to have my, the same day I was having my Cincinnati listening party. Mm-hmm. They just laid you off or? Yeah. Damn. It was a wrap. Which, which, I mean, which made sense. The company was going through a lot and it was letting a lot of people go. So I knew when it was letting big wigs go, I was like, I ain't going to have this job. But the universe, right? I wrote in my New Moon Intention book, like, I want to be able to do music full time when I drop this EP. Mm. And though it didn't look like I could financially, Clearly, the universe was like, here's your time, then. Here it go. So, long story short, I just made that very longer than it needed to be. But I wrote Peaks and Valleys to just write myself out of that funk. Because, like, Lauren was like, I literally spoke to my sister about it. Like, bro, I don't know if I should be doing this no more. Like, this shit, it's a lot. Like, maybe I just, I don't know. Like, maybe I need a break. Well, you're saying that, though. Do you really, you don't, that's not what you really mean. You know that's not what I mean, that right? That is not Am what I, you, mean. You, you Are you my sister? <laughs> Like, that's what she said. She was looking at me like, you're not serious. But Lauren, like, you know, that's not true. Yeah. So, and I do know, like, I feel like my higher self is never far from me. She always right here like, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I was saying, and I meant it. I was in my feels, but I knew on a higher level, like, 
you're just having a moment and that's why I wrote that song to write myself out of it like I just gotta walk my people like at the end of the day like I can complain to you 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 like I got bills I wanna do this like but can't none of y'all fix it for me ain't nobody gonna carry my cross I gotta do this myself I gotta walk all my peaks and valleys the good and the bad and it is what it is I guess that's the part of growing up, right? It is. Yeah, it hurts, though, but... It hurts. Yes. But sometimes the pain can feel so good. I ain't gonna lie. I might be a little bit of a masochist. Because I, I write my best there. I discover so many beautiful parts of myself when I'm at my lowest sometimes. Like, hmm. I mean, hey, you know what they say. Suffering is the road to nirvana. Okay, that's what they say. That's what they say. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't know for sure. So besides writing, what else do you do to get out of those low moments mm. in your life? Oftentimes, um, I find that I need I need time to myself because, like, I'm always around. Like, the more I get into this, I'm around a lot of people. Um, my son is constantly, I love him, but he too, yes. and he going on three, so he like, ma, ma, <laughs> can you unlock my iPad? I'm hungry. <laughs> can we cuddle? It's just like my attention and. I've always been, we just talked about it, like I'm very focused on what I want. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm a Pisces sun, but I am a Virgo rising. What's that mean? So, you know, your natal chart, mm. you have like a whole bunch, like what your sign is. And You're just not things. strictly a Pisces or no, a Virgo. all or... of that mm -hmm. is, plays a part mm -hmm. in who you are. So Beyonce is a Virgo. Okay. Virgos are very meticulous about, look, we gonna get this done, da, 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 da. we gonna get it done. So I got that in my chart and, um, it's difficult when my attention has to be split because when I put my mind on something, I'm like, it's going to get done. I, so anyway, I find that aside from writing, I just need time to myself. So I, you know, I like my, my hot bubble baths. I like to read. Reading has always been such a, a beautiful place for me. Like it is my meditation in a way. Like it's just, I can just escape and go somewhere else and learn something on my journey. So, um, and sometimes I just like, I just need to go. Like, even if I can't, like, travel and go to another city by myself, just go to a restaurant. I just need time alone, you basically. Just, you just I need, need time to, alone. You just need to go sometimes. I just got to go hmm. and be with myself hmm. and, and my thoughts and my quirkiness and laugh myself. I love myself. I really do. <laughs> I love you, girl. I love just being out just, like, just laughing with myself. And I look a little crazy sometimes, I know. I just be <laughs> At the comic shop, like <laughs> chuckling to myself, like girl, you funny as shit. What you talking about? Like, but I'm not. Like, I just really, I really do enjoy figuring out what I want and what I what I like and having time to myself. So mm -hmm. for me, aside from writing, just being by myself, hmm. exercising is good too. I love. I do my workouts. I get my hit in. How the hell are you doing? You know, that's one of my questions too. Like, how are you juggling all this? Like, okay, you got your son, you're an entrepreneur, you're an artist. How are you doing it? Well, I do have a lot of help. So first of all, shout out to my support system. My family is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know, actually. I don't know how I'm doing it. It's like some superwoman. It really shit. is. I just do it. <laughs> I'll get back to you when I figure out how I'm actually doing it. Um, but, you know, you prioritize, right? So everything that I love to do, they're, they're kind of connected. Like, I'm very into um, herbology, for a lack of better words. You know, I like to learn about different herbs, and, and I'm into natural care, natural skin care and whatnot. So all those things I like to do, and I make time for what I like to do. Because if I like it and I'm doing it, I'm happier. And you want me to be happy. Mm. I'm not a, a nice person to be around if I'm in a Ooh. 
I'm just not. I don't think most people are. No. You know, but I'm really bad at being fake. Mm-hmm. So I try my best to keep myself. Oh my God. Uh, yes. Yeah. How, like, okay, so <laughs> bad at being fake. So you weren't even made for corporate then, were you? Because you have to be. Not, you gotta have like a stone was. face and you know what as a pisces though like i got a little bit of every sign i'm able to swim in a lot of different waters so it was never fake i was able to just do it like i could go to corporate and be like okay well okay find, i find what i hone in on like what i can make work for me mm-hmm. and it I is see. what it is you yeah, know what i mean I but it really got to a point where i couldn't find anything there mm-hmm. because the more i'm getting into myself and learning who i am it's a direct conflict in that it was in that office it was like i can't be fake with you i i i can't sit here and look at this screen i was bringing my stones like i got my stones like i'm I'm at work looking at stones i'm trying to figure out what's up (laughs) what do i do for this under eye cream like how do i sleep well amethyst going to the pillow lavender what's up so you know like i said i can't be fake i'm really not i'm not good at it i'm not and i want people to want to be around me so i'm gonna take care of myself like i said you can't pour from an antique cup so I got to pour into myself. Damn. So many women pour from empty cups, though. Because it's just we like do. you have a lot. We do do to do. Yeah. Hmm. But you know what? That's something I want to contribute to the community going further. A place for people, but especially women, um, to connect and heal. You got to heal. Fix that cup before you try to pour into it. Some of us pouring from broken cups. Hmm. And shit, it can never be full. It's leaking, boo. Get your shit together. So I want to create a space where we can hold one another accountable. We can tell our stories in safe spaces. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Hey, two things on that. Somebody came on this podcast and said they felt like women need to, um, I guess, come together more. Uh, it was a guy who said this. I was say, first of all, was it a man or a woman who told you that? <laughs> <It> <laughs> <Because was> a- <laughs> I got issue with any man telling me what a woman got to do. It, it was a guy who said it, but I mean, it was some truth to what he said, though. I had to agree. He said mm. that uh, women can be catty sometimes, and sometimes we don't even want to come together. And I kind of feel like there's some truth in that or whatever. Um, hmm. Especially when it comes to like smart, like really smart, beautiful women. I don't know. Like maybe sometimes that can be intimidating mm. or whatever. See, I can't speak on that. Mm. I really can't because I'm not so I've, I haven't been surrounded with with women like that mm-hmm. since I was in like elementary school uh yeah I would say so I would say so as well um I've never been cattier you know but I I mean there there was some truth to mm-hmm. what he said I will say that mm-hmm. yeah and, and I, how he said it so I was like if there if there's truth to that because again we all got our own experiences so like I said I can't say but you know from your experience I would say um I would venture to say that a large part of the healing in that is going to be or would be in a space like that. I think sometimes people behave certain ways because, you know, they've been through things. They're carrying a lot of baggage with them and understanding breeds compassion and compassion breeds love and love heals all. So if you have a space where you can be like, oh, man, she catty, man. But then you learn about this woman and you understand why those behaviors are oozing out of her. Not only can you address her in a certain way, but you can hold her accountable. And if she knows that you're, she's safe with you and whatever in her past um, won't be triggered, you know, she knows you know her story and you're not going to use it against her or whatever, whatever. She can let you hold her accountable. Oh, man. 
There's some healing to be done. Oh my God. Healing. <laughs> hey, you so your your last album, Life, Death, Life, right? Yeah, yeah. You said that was a healing process for you. It was. Healing is an interesting thing, right? Because mm. I don't know, like the word is thrown out loosely and I think it sounds easy to heal, but it actually takes a lot of hard work. Can you talk about that, like how hard it's been? Not even how hard, but just talk about the process of healing. I think people think about healing and they they think that it's like, okay, especially now, right? Because we live in this age on social media where you can sell it. I call it the spirit, the spiritual age, right? Mm -hmm. Which is no shade. Like, I'm like, look, get in where you fit in. As long as you you fixing yourself, you healing yourself, let's go. But, you know, everybody want to pose like, got the sage, I'm healing, I'm healing. But people don't know. (laughs) Some people don't know. Listen, (laughs) healing requires you to sometimes, you, you know like a scab, right? You scratch yourself and it's got to heal up and the scab's over. Sometimes in healing, you got to peel the damn scab off. Just things be like, oh damn, it's infected. You got to go in and get this herb on there. Bop, bop, bop. It's, cycl- it's cyclical is the word I'm looking for. So healing comes in phases. It comes in cycles. Um, it takes time. It takes effort. It takes intention. You know, something that people say time heals all. Time does heal. Don't get me wrong. But you have to have awareness. What you healing? How you gonna heal it if you don't even know? You know what I mean? Like, no, 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 it don't work that way. Stuff lays dormant too. You know Absolutely. What I mean? So I don't know if time heals all. I think stuff just kind of goes under the surface. I, I do somewhere. believe that everything done in the dark comes to the light. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, even our in our subconscious, those things that we store there. It ain't hidden from us. It's going to present itself in dream world. It's going to present itself when our emotions get a little erratic. You understand what I mean? Um, So I I believe that the end goal in our spirits, we want to be whole. I do believe that. I believe that is our innate nature, to be whole, to be joyful, to be in love. Um, But sometimes shit be burying that shit. And, And it takes time. It takes time. It takes time. It takes intention. It takes awareness and it takes support. It really does. Like you think you about to be healing out here alone. Well, nah, that's why Ayala out here fixing lives. I love Ayala fixing my life. Oh my God, I watched <laughs> Y'all, I, I call her Auntie Ayala. She don't know that I love her so much. I feel like that's gonna be me in a few years. <laughs> I'm gonna have my own show. <laughs> I'm gonna like, beloved. <laughs> but no, um, life, death, life, it was definitely an aspect of my healing because mm-hmm. like you said it, it's ongoing mm-hmm. um so some of those things were at the beginning of healing processes mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. um i have a song on there come back to me views from the l train that's a powerful one for me i had to i had to be honest about that i had to pour it out because otherwise i'd have been bitter today about having to leave new york after I did everything I did to get there. I mean, whoo, I mean, y'all, I was not playing games, bruh. I was broke out of college. I had to go. I had a hundred, what's a hundred and seven, eight, nine. I had $107 in my pocket. I remember that the plane ticket was like 109 one way. Mm-hmm. Walked down to the bank. I didn't have a car in the rain. It was raining to deposit $2 and quarters. Oh no. I I can't make this shit up. Like this is real. This really happened for me. What is on my spirit? that I'm about to be so honest with y'all today. Um, (laughs) For me to get this plane ticket, to get to New York. Mm. I did that. 
You know what I mean? That, that, that journey meant a lot to me. So, and this was in a time where, I mean, I was, I was a little depressed. Like, I mean, I, I was popping some pills. Damn. You know what I mean? Just to sleep. What the fuck? How you so, how you, you so upset with life? You just want to sleep. I would be like, I just want to go to sleep. I was pissed at my mom. I was mad at everybody I was because of say, where like, I was. Why were you so upset? Because I wasn't living the life I wanted to live. I was working at Macy's straight out of college. You know, you also had this idea in college, like, you're going to go and be a, a businesswoman. I couldn't get hired anywhere. I um, was working at a job, Macy's retail, fine jewelry. And I was just like, bro, this is not what I went to school for. And I'm blaming everybody else. Like, I don't even want to do this anyway. I was going to be music. <laughs> and it was just like, I prayed and I fasted. And I was like, if it's meant to be, just give me away. I don't care what the way is. So when I saw I had $2 and I can get that plane ticket, I said, cool. All right, God, I'm out. <laughs> I went down there in the rain, deposited that shit, came back. And anyway, my point is with life, death, life, moving on. When you work that hard for something, you know, when you pray and you fast and you, you grind and you cry and you go through that shit, I get pregnant. And that's on me. You know what I mean? It's not like something to come down here. Like, you know, I didn't like just get, I don't know, an illness or something like I'm having unprotected sex with my boyfriend, and I, I get pregnant. I'm pissed. I'm pissed because I felt like I sabotaged everything I worked for, and I made the choice to have my son. And I'm also aware. I'm pretty aware woman, and at that time I was still aware, not as aware I am now. But I'm like, I know that I got to get this off my chest. Once I start writing this project, because initially my plan with life that life it was all like business. I was like, I want to be on this level by this time, so I'm gonna make all the tracks. Ready, it's gonna be my radio track, but pop, and all that went down the window once I actually like started writing. It was like, girl, right from the heart, right? And so that song was important for my healing because I had to get that out. I didn't want to bring a child into this world bitter, you know, like, look what you took from me, hell nah. So I had to be honest about how I felt, and I think that that's what holds people back from healing not being honest about what they feel. I was mad. I was pissed off that I that I got pregnant. Mm. I was scared as shit that I got pregnant. I mean, I was 23, 23, 23, 24. I was 23, 24. Wow. Um, 24, because I'm 27 now. He's about 33. So um, I, um, I was upset. I was in pain. But I was also, it was conflicted because I was also happy. So come back to me. It's written like if you listen to it, I'm begging you, begging you, come back to me. People think it's about a man, like mm. it's not. That's about New York. Wow, oh, I'm about to cry just thinking about it. <laughs> I love that city. I love it not only because of the city, but like what I did to get there, mm -hmm. and to know I was leaving because I fucked up, or I thought, you know, I thought I fucked up. I had to get that out and. I left that there. I left that on that track, on that, on that project. Damn, man, you are really tripping me out right now. <laughs> I left that there, so I'm good with that. I go, I go, I go, I go visit my bay, New York, often, and we we kick it. We old homies. Like, what's up, shorty? I'm coming through. Netflix and chill or not, you know? And I'll be able to tell my son that story, and he go. He, I haven't taken him to New York yet, you know. I, I got to think with babies in New York. It's just, it's a lot. <laughs> so I'm waiting. He just, I think three years would be good for me to have him with me. Um, but I have no, I have no bitterness about it. Mm. Everything happens for a reason. Everything. I, I, like I said, I don't think I'd be sitting here with y'all right now if it didn't happen. I can relate to you on so many levels about 
um, having regrets and just having resentment for even mm-hmm. coming back to mm-hmm. Cincinnati and, you know, leaving New York City. So I definitely can relate to you on that. Um, how do you feel about what, what do you feel about Cincinnati? What 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 has been your experience in particular as a black woman? You grew up in Avondale, mm-hmm. um, came back from New York City. What do you think? I love Cincinnati. It's home. Mm-hmm. Um, my initial gut instinct to say to you is like, from my child perspective, mm-hmm. I love Cincinnati. I mean, mm. it's all I know. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, it's where my family is and was. It's where I learned my lessons, where I grew into a woman or, yeah, to a woman. Mm. Um, I have nothing but fond memories, right? But if I take myself out my child <laughs> perspective, I do still love Cincinnati. I just love Cincy. It's home. I, but I do think that, you know, Cincy got some work to do. What kind of work? Um, Cincy has a lot of work to do with um, diversity. Mm-hmm. And I struggle with that word because of the UD. You know, <laughs> UD is a PWI, predominantly white institution. And a lot of times when they do workshops and they're trying to, you know, make white people feel comfortable about the black people on campus, they like to use diversity. And so I'll be trying to use another word because I'm like, that word puts such a nasty taste in my mouth. But that's what I'm saying. Um, even with as a musician, like, I'm going to keep it real. I, I'm very grateful. Like, I, I play some really cool spaces. You know what I mean? Um, I remember when I was, like, getting back into music, I played this little brewery out in Mount Healthy. I won't say the name, but I, and it was nice. Yeah. No black people playing there. Mm-hmm. And I remember setting an attention. I was, you know, I would research other bands here who were, like, hitting the major venues. I'm like, what are the major venues? And at a lot of those venues, and wasn't no black people hitting those stages. Mm-hmm. So I think Cincinnati's come a long way, don't get me wrong. You can walk into a lot of these venues now and see that, but in a lot of them, you won't. Mm-hmm. Would you say that your experience at UD is what helped you prepare, prepare to um, make it as an artist here in Cincinnati? Because I think it mm-hmm. is hard to make it as an artist, as an African-American mm-hmm. um, in Cincinnati, Ohio. And there's a lot into that because, you know, there's a lot into that because you can hide behind certain things. Same way you do, you can hide behind certain things. Genre is a funny word, right? Oh, we do this kind of music here. Mm. At venues. It's funny, it's mm. funny, right? And and you can't. sometimes you can't argue with it because it's like, I see what you're saying, but do I? You know what I mean? Because Lauren Lee Lee's is walking up in there with a guitar, and I think that's that's one thing. It's like, oh, black girl with a guitar? Okay, well, we got a little. Yeah, we got a little. Yeah. And then I get in there, and I start singing Pony on that ass, and it's like, <laughs> what's up? But, like I said, it's a hard thing to kind of have a conversation about because that's not all I play. I don't just play, like, R&B and soul. I play a lot of singer-songwriter. You can catch me at any set playing Tennessee whiskey, you know what I mean? Or Bob Dylan here and there. So, it's a hard conversation to have, but my point is, um, I love Cincy. I think that there's still a lot of work to do. I think that we are making some solid strides, and I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud to be a part of that movement. You know what I mean? Like, I'm excited. I'm headlining the Woodward Theater May 4th. I'm excited about that. I'm headlining the Woodward Theater after, like, I invited to headline it, after one show at Motor. Mm-hmm. 
I'm excited about that. And like, not just for myself, but be, for, for my skin folk. Like, you know, I had a tribe up there with me, John Schuyler out in Motor Pub. Like, that's what I, I think that that's a translation that needs to be made. You know, we got some dope ass artists out here. And um, just because they're hip hop or R&B or black, I don't know what word you want to use, don't mean, you know, that they shouldn't be gracing those stages. So. That's the first thing I think of when somebody says, oh, we don't really do rap music here. Or we try to, you know, go mm-hmm. to another genre. I feel like they're saying mm-hmm. we don't want black people mm-hmm. in here. Mm-hmm. And it, like I said, it's a hard conversation to have because it's like, you know, if you got a nice little bluesy spot and it's no rap, it's no rap. I get it. But at the same time, hey, we need to start. We need to talk about this stuff. I don't think people want to talk about this stuff yeah. though because they because, just want to please yep. everybody. It's yep. like you don't want to scare your white fans away. And yeah, uh, and I, and I, I get it. It's an uncomfortable conversation. Mm-hmm. But the same way we're talking about healing, you got to be able to acknowledge some uncomfortable feelings you have in order for us to progress. We have to have uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, challenge me. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I'm just out here playing my music, hopping on the stage. I just noticing I'm, I'm the only person look like me here mm-hmm. sometimes, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, it's definitely changing here. Mm-hmm. I see that changing a great deal, and I think that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just hope we can maintain it mm-hmm. and sort of uh, amplify it, honestly. But I also, you know, you also got to have the chops. And, you know, if you, I don't know how to say this say subtly, yeah. if you trash, you trash. And that's just what it is. Or yeah. maybe you're not trash. Maybe you're just not good enough. Mm-hmm. And it's a cutthroat industry. Like, if they don't, you know, you're not good enough to play the venue, you're not good enough to play the venue. Mm-hmm. And that's just locally. You, it's good for you to hear it now and perfect your skill. And you going to New York and them telling you dead ass, like dead ass beef. You suck, right. <laughs> nah, <laughs> we don't fuck with you. You know what I mean? So it's a lot into that whole conversation. It is. All basically. right, let's, well, let's have that conversation more in the future. For sure. Um, now we we get into the end of the interview. I feel like I could talk to you for you know for days or whatever. Oh. But um, your experience at UD, mm-hmm. where I guess you were slapped by mm. you know a white guy and where called I tell you that a story nigga. At? I think you've told the story I do, I tell multiple it a lot. times. <laughs> you know I do. what I mean? How you remember that, I do tell it a lot. Um, so you know, like why why did that make you so angry? Because. I mean, I think I know why, but I just, I just want you to like voice it. Why did that make you so angry? Several reasons. First of all, motherfucker, you putting your hands in my face? What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> First of all, you have violated my space. When somebody touches me and I did not invite you to touch me, that really gets me upset. That happened to me recently at a gig, y'all, and it wasn't a race thing. It was a yeah. man thing. Right. Uh, dude, like, dead ass just assaulted me. He was drunk, and there's no excuse. I'm just telling you that he was drunk. It's never an excuse. And my discernment told me off rip, like, mm-mm. And my body just didn't want to be around him. And he was so adamant about helping me downstairs, and he wound up grabbing me up from behind, and I was just, I was, I, can't, I still don't have the words for that. I do not like when someone makes me feel uncomfortable in my own body, my home. Like, how dare you? Yeah. So I digress. So that's why, first of all, why, that pissed me off. Um, second of all, nigga, what? <laughs> you said, nigga, what? <laughs> Have you lost your mind? Yeah. There's levels to this, right? There's levels to why I'm pissed. But I think that was the anger. I was hurt. And I, there's still a, a feeling I can't put a word to. Because that discernment of mine knew that I shouldn't have been in that crowd anyway. Mm. I wasn't aware of the environment of the institution. Mm. 
and most students, whether it's UD, Miami University, or any other small, predominantly white institution that has these kind of experiences happen, even worse, and you don't hear about them, the students are never aware for the most part. I mean, at Walnut, one of my counselors, when I was looking into Miami University, she was like, I wouldn't go there. A lot of students of color don't don't have good experiences. So it was great that she was open about it. But generally, people don't know. Or they do know, they don't tell you about it, and they just send you there. And um, I digress. Um, I was upset because I was like, A, recognizing the unsafe environment I was, and B, recognizing on a smaller level just that group that I knew I shouldn't have been there in the first place because you he had made you always get little breadcrumbs of what somebody's going to on somebody is. you know what I mean people people really wear themselves well unless you know you're a narcissist or a sociopath or a psychopath and then you know you really put on a good mask and we don't want to get into that right but <laughs> I knew he had said some some real slick shit before and I was like Okay, you know, you you kind of brush it off, right? Because you don't you don't want to be that black person. Like you're racist, you know. Right. Like, oh, don't you just overthinking stuff? He's just kidding. Mm-hmm. Nah, bro, you're not kidding. Because I racist. was gonna say, like, that was. I just feel like from maybe somebody looking on the outside in, they would have been like, well, maybe he was just playing or whatever. Like, why are you taking it so? And in that small group, there, you know, there was one person on that side, like, he's okay, he's just kidding, like whatever. That's just so but there were two other people women mm-hmm. they were white women but women mm-hmm. who were like what the hell is wrong with you that's not funny are, are you and you know or, or like are you okay but that's never enough it's just i mean not to them like you did what you could or whatever but that i i'm i'm very adamant i gotta get back to ud i don't i haven't performed there you know i gotta, I gotta get up there we gotta have more conversations um <laughs> the institution has to be held responsible for when things happen like that so my beef with that is why wasn't there a procedure in place for me to report this, for this to be investigated and for something to be done? And if there was one in place, if, if you know, if I go have a conversation with somebody and they're like, well, we've had this procedure for years. OK, why was I why wasn't I made aware of it? Why was I sent to the Office of Multicultural Affairs where they had a small conversation with me in the office and patted me on the back and sent me out with some pizza and shit? That's never OK. And it puts it on us to heal ourselves when you need to be reprimanding this racist asshole in your institution. Because it's not just him. It's his homies. It's his whole fucking floor. Y'all racist. <laughs> like, let's just call a spade a spade. And the institution enables it. And now we're putting our, our sons and our daughters in unsafe places. And it's not like, this isn't like, you know, a yo mama joke on a bus, right? These are legitimate wounds, um, we there to get an education, man. UD ain't cheap. We talking 45 grand a fucking year. Yes. You feel me? And I'm burdened psychologically with this motherfucker. He chilling. You know, daddy rich anyway. He, he, he chilling. He coasting anyway. It's a problem. Yeah. So those are the levels of why I speak about that so passionately um, and why I was so angry. And I'm not going to lie. I'm still angry. I'm going to stay mad. Because anger gets shit done That's sometimes. something I wouldn't be able to let go. Because when somebody says that, especially when it's a, a Caucasian person, um, I just feel like it hits something like from years and years and years and years ago before Absolutely. we were even here. Like A Caucasian man. Exactly. Putting his hands in a black woman's face and calling her nigga. I can't even imagine that happening to you. You don't even look like that will happen to you. It did. <laughs> That's what's crazy. It did. Yeah. And the fucked up part about that is like that was not an isolated situation for me. 
You know what I mean? There were several situations involving that same person as well as others where there were subtle and oh, that's a, clearly an overt look, mm-hmm. act of racism. You know what I mean? And he didn't backslap me, but he was like, you know, tap me in the face, like, wake up, nigga. And it was like, yo, Still. <laughs> wow. Like, can you feel your blood boiling? Right. And just imagine that was just my experience. Imagine the experience for the black men on that campus being harassed by campus police for no reason. Like literally laying my brothers out on the street, just laying them down, patting them up, literally just having them lay on the floor in the middle of the street. Like, fuck you mean. They don't prepare you for this shit when you're in high school, do you? They don't. Or do they? They don't. don't. And I also am like, how can you? Mm -hmm. How can you? How can you when the institution isn't even... Oh, well, they're not aware, you know, it's silent. Like nobody even knows this shit is happening. I, I, I'm real vocal about it and I have a platform to talk about it. So I'm going to keep talking my shit, Yeah, but not everybody has this platform. I was going to say like, I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing like at Miami uh, University, isn't it Miami University? That I went to or the no, other one I mentioned? Just, just the other school, right? Yeah. It's okay. one of them okay. that and I've then, heard, and you then know. And Dayton um, or University of Dayton and mm-hmm. maybe even Toledo or, you know, all the schools in Ohio. We have this, we have these situations at any institution, right? I mean, I don't know what goes on at HBCUs, but at any institution that's not HBCU, we definitely have those situations. For sure. But it gets worse on certain campuses. Like when you're talking private Catholic and, and all that kind of shit, mm-hmm. it gets worse. Mm-hmm. At UD, my, I, I, I could be wrong on this number, but I know it's about the small African-American percentage was like 3% or something. Wow. Like that's how, that's how real that shit is. And so some of these people are, I, some of these people are just like, you know, and you just racist as fuck. Some people are just ignorant. They think it's cool and they think it's cute. You know what I mean? Having hip hop parties and showing up in blackface and like almost getting your ass whooped. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But not really because we're not trying to, we, we here to learn. When we spending money, we ain't gonna really whip your ass, but damn, we wanna whip your ass. You feel me? Like, it is not cool. It's not cool. And what's more uncool about it is when the people in power in these institutions turn a blind eye to it. That's what I really got a problem with. Like, Timmy, you racist, you dumb as fuck. You got that from your daddy. I don't know where you get it from. You're ignorant. You said the people in power. Yes. I think it's when because... You're, when your provost knows, mm-hmm. or when the president knows, when we're writing you letters, or we're sitting in meetings, and there's still nothing being done. But I think it's because the people of power don't look like you, or us, mm-hmm. or whatever. So it's just like, well, they don't understand. Like, they don't mm-hmm. even understand. They're just like, oh, well, like I said earlier, oh, mm-hmm. he was just playing around. Like, it's you know, incredible. It's just Tim, or whatever. It's incredible mm-hmm. that they're enabled to unable I should say to put themselves in our shoes and how can you lead how can you lead you leaving a whole group of people out and that that's what I mean talking about the Latino experience Mm. or the Asian experience on Mm -hmm. campus you know what I mean Mm -hmm. it just it's levels to that shit that really grinds my gears and um I don't know. Well, I'm happy you're vocal about it because, like yeah. I said, I think people are scared to talk about this kind of stuff. They're scared. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I mean, you know what? I do know why. It's money. You, you know, know what I mean? mean? Yeah, I, I do stuff. know why. Um, but you know what? I fear none but God. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you mad? Don't book me. Mm-hmm. Cool. Next. I like that. I like it. Okay. And you know, they could bite me in the ass later. I don't know. I don't know. I do believe <laughs> I'm covered though, and I think that if your heart in the right place and and you're you're doing things with good intention. You ain't got to worry about I nothing. I think you're good, depending on what route you want to take. Now, do you want to remain um, like an independent artist or do you want to? I know you talked about distribution and all that. What What do you want? That's a good question. Um, I'm beyond with you and tell you, I don't know. It mm-hmm. changes mm-hmm. a lot. 
what I want is to live comfortably off music. <laughs> That's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to play Madison Square Garden. And I want to do what I love. Um, What's living comfortably? Comfortably, like you want a Range Rover, you want a Mercedes. I do want a Range. Get out of my head. The <laughs> Range my, is my for the car. Um, I want a nice little loft over in Mount Adams um, with a nice little, <laughs> a nice view of the city. It's gonna be great. Uh, it's coming very soon. So I do, I do. I want to live a, a a nice, financially stable life, mm-hmm. <laughs> financially secure life. But I think more importantly for me as an artist. It's to speak and sing about love and to touch people and to heal people. Um, and I think that the great creator, source, the universe, God, whatever words you want to put on it, will take care of me in that. Mm-hmm. My intention is pure. And um, if there's something that I need to speak about, I need to speak about it. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it's my opinion. You know, you could get a, a flock of people here who disagree from you. like, I had the greatest experience. <laughs> I have never experienced anything like that in my whole life. <laughs> making that shit up <laughs> and I'll be like you know what that's your truth we all got different truths you, you know about that so and you I'm know. able to accept that and be like you that's your pieces it's mine like I, I don't need to beef and I think that's something that like a lot of artists when they get platforms they feel pressured about they mm-hmm. get asked questions and they feel like they gotta have an answer I ain't got no problem with telling your ass like I don't know I don't know yeah or I need time to think on that let me let me get back to you on that and I'll write your ass later with my answer mm-hmm. but what I'm not gonna do is just speak out of turn mm-hmm. like you're not gonna pressure me into no answer or about shit. Now this, yeah, like, this be careful is careful what experience. you put out there because you might, you might. You know get what it I mean? This is my experience, the UD shit. So I'm gonna tell you what it is, the way I lived it. Mm-hmm. I also had great times. I was out there living my best life. I party. I had my group of friends. You know, I'm not saying it's all just ooh, my goodness, the KKK yeah. running right. around there. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I did have these experiences as well, and I'm gonna talk about them. And everybody should talk about their experiences. And this is the last thing I'm gonna say, but um, I do think that if you decide to, you know, be independent mm-hmm. or even like partner with somebody, I think you will, will be able to say whatever you want to say mm-hmm. and pretty much do whatever you want to do. Yeah, you know, on your Beyonce. You shit. do gotta play the game, and that's what I love about B. She knew what she wanted. Mm-hmm. She played the game mm-hmm. until she got. She did. If she didn't play the game, y'all, she wouldn't be headlining Coachella. Right. And doing it the way in which you she did. You see what I'm saying? She she did what she did. And then she did it the way she wanted to. Like, mm-hmm. well, this is what I always been about. But I had to do that to get here. Mm-hmm. I respect it. I respect it. And I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Maybe. No, you will. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes I, my fire, I'll be like, uh, fuck it. <laughs> Let's go. Run the streets. <laughs> Get a little Nina Simone in me, you know, but not not often, you know. I'll be chill. I'll yeah. be chill. Well, I wish you the best of luck, and um, yeah, I just want you to be successful or whatever. Thank you, Queen. Uh, so what's what's next for you? What's coming up? What can people be looking out for? Ah, uh, well, Friday, next Friday, April twenty seventh. I'm at US Bank Arena.